Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, my name is Dr. Scott, and I struggle with depression. I have for my entire life all 40 years of it. I don't struggle nearly as much as I used to, though. My rock bottom was a period of about eight or nine years, and I was probably depressed for 98% of it. There were occasional days every now and then where the clouds would lift a little bit, and I actually almost felt worse on those days sometimes because I knew they wouldn't last, because then I had something to lose. And when every day is awful, you at least aren't surprised. There's no fall. You can't fall if you're already at the bottom. So sometimes I almost even wish that those good days wouldn't happen. They just felt like torture to me. I used to be so depressed that I wasn't even sure if I was real. I felt like I was looking at my life and the world through some kind of glass. Like I couldn't quite connect to anything. Like I was in this just invisible shell that followed me around everywhere. This was mostly my high school and college years. I barely graduated high school. I barely went to high school, honestly. I had pretty much no healthy relationships. I would do just about anything to get through a day because what it felt like to be inside my own mind was torture constantly. Once I got to college, I couldn't make a job or a relationship last more than three months. I didn't really want to do anything, didn't really care about anything. And this is not the worst part, but it is the most embarrassing part. Freshman year of college, I failed introduction to psychology. I'm a psychologist, so that's not great. Now, in fairness to me, I failed it because I didn't take the final because I had a panic attack on my way there and went home instead. But nonetheless, there is an F on my transcript for introduction to psychology. So that's not a super proud moment for me. During this period of time, I would say, do, or take anything that would make me feel even a little bit better. These days, obviously, things are quite a bit different for me. I feel good 90% of the time or more. I'm not going to act like my depression is cured or it is gone. That would be a lie, and I'm not about being disingenuous on here. But it is so different in terms of frequency, in terms of intensity, in terms of duration, that my life is not the same. It it is going from being depressed 98% of the time to, I don't know, 5% of the time and severe to typically mild. It's a different life. It is 100% a different life. 
in the past few years, I've been able to start intensive outpatient programs for people who experience moderate to severe depression and anxiety. I wrote a book called For Everything is Burning, For When Everything is Burning. It'd help if I knew the name of my own book, probably. Um, I started this YouTube channel and this podcast. And most recently, and this is still a work in progress, I founded a new clinic called the North Star Psychological Center, which again specializes in treating moderate to severe mood and anxiety disorders. There were a lot of things that I did to go from being the person I was to the person that I am today. But what I think may have been even more important are the things I stopped doing because there were certain habits and patterns that my life had fallen into that were perpetuating those feelings of depression. And although I did not realize it at the time, these things were keeping me stuck in that level of severity. And my symptoms probably did not have to go on for as long as they did or be as all-consuming as they were had I known these things earlier. So what I'm going to do for you today Basically, my entire life has been a mental health research project because I've never actually found anyone or anything that has helped me all that much. So this has been a 40-year case study of me trying to figure out what the heck helps a person like me. And I'm going to summarize for you today the six things that I have found that I needed to stop doing in order to get my life back on track and stop feeling so miserable all the time. In other words, I've mostly won my battle, but I still remember how I fought. And the first thing that I stopped doing was drugs and alcohol. Just 100% stopped dead. Now, I need to give a little asterisk to this. I, I certainly understand that this is easier said than done. Um, I don't believe that I ever had what would be considered to be an addiction, uh, patterns of abuse, certainly, but not addiction. And, and if it's addiction, then you're probably going to need some help with this. But my big revelation around substances and depression was this. Any substance that you can take that has mood-altering properties takes you to a fairly predictable and consistent mood state when you use it, assuming that the dosage and potency are controlled and about the same every time. So you're you're chugging along at rock bottom and you know some certain substance brings your mood up here for a few hours and it kind of slowly decays back to baseline, right? The biggest problem with that pattern is when you go from being miserable to feeling pretty all right for a while, whatever the reason may be, you stop doing anything else to try to make yourself feel better during that period of time because you've escaped, at least on the surface, the distress and the horror of being trapped inside your own mind for a while. So you're not doing anything else to try to improve your life because you feel better. And so what that means is your baseline which is where you inevitably drop to as soon as that substance wears off, your baseline never moves. And so your life is constantly chasing this feeling because you fear the return to just being yourself again. That's where the misery is, just being me on a normal day. The only way that this is ever gonna change for you is if you start to work on raising that baseline. So that the divide between how you feel sober and how you feel under the influence of something is not as wide. The narrower that gap is, 
the less reason there is for you to be using any substances in the first place. But when you're using something that brings you up quickly, you have no real motivation to do anything else. So for me, stopping the use of those, I'm going to say resources, was crucial because that was the only thing that got me to start actually making changes in my life that would create long-term benefit. The second thing that I stopped doing for the most part is that I stopped chasing acute feelings of joy. So this is a little bit like the first one, but this has implications far beyond substances. So many things in our lives have no purpose beyond creating acute feelings of joy or excitement or reward or pleasure, and they're often very good at doing so. So it's easy to think that if you just stack a bunch of those things on top of each other throughout your day, you're going to end up having a pretty good life. But if you know anything about depression, you know that when you hit those really deep, dark periods of depression and you get that anhedonia where nothing really connects to your pleasure center anyway, all your ability to feel reward is gone. And so all these tools you've developed, all these things you've brought into your life that have the capacity to create joy, they suddenly stop working. Because you don't have the ability to feel joy when you're in the depths of a depression. I have found that feelings of achievement or accomplishment are a little bit more durable, if you will, when it comes to depression. If I take a lot of the time that I would have otherwise spent on doing things that just feel good, and instead invest some of that time in doing things that make me feel like I have done something worthwhile, those feelings are more likely to still be accessible to me, even on days when I feel extremely depressed. In other words, if I play a video game on my phone when I'm in a good mood, it works fine. If I play a video game on my phone when I'm depressed, it does nothing. It feels like the biggest waste of time in the world. It feels like I might as well just be dying, like it's not doing anything. But even when feelings of depression grip me, when I have done things in my past that I am proud of, that I know have helped other people or have helped my family or have improved the environment that I live in or anything like that, I found that I can still feel those things when I'm depressed. They are definitely dulled quite a bit from how they normally feel, but they aren't completely gone the way joy tends to be. I don't totally understand the physiological mechanisms of that. And that's something I'm hoping to study in the future. But my take home message just to, to restate it, achievement is more durable than joy when it comes to depression. So sometimes it's a better investment of your time to chase achievement instead. The third thing that I have stopped doing in order to better manage my depression is staying up late. Um, that doesn't mean I always go to bed at exactly the same time every night. I aspire to do that, but I'm not ridiculous about it. But I don't stay up two, three, four, five hours beyond the time when I know I need to get to bed in order to get enough sleep for the next day. Now, obviously, depression and anxiety can cause a lot of disruptions in sleep. They can cause insomnia. They can cause interrupted sleep. So I understand that this one is not fully within your control. You know, when it comes to sleep, you can do everything right and still have a rough night of sleep. So I'm not talking about insomnia. I'm not saying I never get insomnia anymore. I'm saying I have cut out what I call behavioral insomnia. Behavioral insomnia means you could sleep, you're just choosing not to, right? You're not really trying to fall asleep. You're um, scrolling social media, 
playing games on your phone, you're downstairs on the couch watching TV, you're not really making an attempt to fall asleep in this case. Um, and so you're going to end up underslept. And a tired mind is an emotionally dysregulated mind. This one, I mean, this also ties in with alcohol use too, but I know this one is hard to take in because most people do this. Most people don't have to be crazy rigid about these things. But I know that for me, the stakes are higher. I have a chronic health condition. And if I do not essentially focus my life on managing that chronic health condition, it will consume me. It absolutely will. So I basically have two choices. I can learn to take excellent care of myself and I can follow through on that and I can be rigid and disciplined, which is hard and frustrating and unfair, but that's one of my choices. And my condition is well-managed for the most part. Or I can try to live like everybody else and watch my life fall apart because my brain cannot handle that. Because doing things like consuming alcohol or staying up too late can send me on a spiral that lasts months, during which time I find it hard to do anything. Neither one of those is a great choice. I wish there was a third choice, which is just live like a normal person and have a good life. I didn't get that choice. These were the two options that I was handed. And if you have any chronic medical condition, whether it's depression, anxiety, another medical or another mental health condition, a physical health condition, then you have a similar set of options. And I'm sorry for that. You know, I, I know what it's like, and I'm sorry that you have to choose between two things that most people don't have to worry about. But given that choice, focusing your life on taking care of yourself and enjoying the best possible quality of life as a result of that decision, I think is the best option. That's the one I'm choosing to take, and that's the one I encourage you to take. It's a hassle, but it's worth it. On a related note, the fourth thing that I have stopped doing as a person who is trying to better manage my depression is restricting my food intake. Now, that can mean a lot of things, right? Sometimes we just skip meals. Now, that could be because we're really busy. That could be because a lot of times when we're depressed, we don't care about food. Food has no, food isn't appealing. Food isn't interesting to you. Um, but sometimes it's on purpose, right? Sometimes it's because we hate our bodies. Sometimes it's because we hate ourselves. Sometimes it's because we don't think we deserve food. There are any number of reasons why a person might choose to not eat a meal. But nutrition follows the same lines of sleep, essentially, in that if your brain does not have access to one of the core resources that it needs to function, it will not function as well. And for somebody like me, my brain not functioning as well means I fall into a pit of despair for an unknown amount of time, during which time I will be miserable and have a hard time functioning. So I don't diet. I don't restrict my food intake. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I eat whatever I want. In fact, I'm actually fairly careful about what I eat. Um, I make sure to eat three meals a day and one or two snacks a day. And I try to make sure they're reasonably balanced meals containing proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, because all three of those play an important role in the bioavailability of caloric energy, which is one of the resources your brain needs to be at 100%. And the costs of my brain not being at 100% are high. So I don't do it. The fifth thing that I stopped doing as a depressed person is I stopped allowing myself to be inactive or to spend too much time inside. Technically, you could call these two different things, but they kind of tie together for me. 
my brain gets understimulated really easily, which is difficult when you also don't always want to do things. It can kind of feel like you got these two very different, almost paradoxical pressures pushing in on you at the same time of like, I don't want to do anything, but I also don't want to do nothing. Super frustrating. But I have learned through excruciating trial and error that if I don't use my body to some degree every single day, and ideally use my body outside if possible, there are downsides to that for me. One of which is I'll have a hard time sleeping at night. I notice that inactivity is a huge insomnia trigger for me. It also just isn't good for my mood. I don't know if it's because of where I grew up or, or just the fact that I love being out in nature, but my mood just slowly starts to decay when I'm inside for too long and when I'm sedentary for too long. So I know that I have to get up and get moving and get out every single day to some degree or it's going to be a risk factor. Let's put it that way. Last thing, and this one might be a little unusual. I, the first five you've probably heard people talk about before. I have never heard anyone else mention this. And I'm super curious to know if this is just a weird me thing or if you guys experience some of this too. The sixth thing that I've stopped doing is I stop getting really invested or maybe even obsessive in fantasy worlds. And I, what I mean by that is things like, anime, video games, TV shows, movies. That's not to say I don't ever engage in those things, but I've learned I have to be really selective about which ones I allow myself to engage in because something that's happened to me many, many times in my life, I've had, I don't know how many, I've had a large number of depressive episodes triggered by overinvestment in a fantasy world. Because inevitably, I end up wishing I could live in that world or I could be one of the characters. And when I start to really think about that, my own life feels hollow, unsatisfying, incomplete, and there's no way to change it. You know, these aren't achievable goals. These aren't things I'm ever actually going to be able to do. So it just makes me feel miserable and it makes me feel like everything is pointless. And so at some point, I don't know exactly when I made this decision, but at some point in my life, I had to cut those things off and say, as stimulating as and acutely enjoyable as it is for me to get lost in this fantasy world for a while, this is going to end badly for me. I'm going to end up spiraling because of this, and I'm going to end up having a really difficult time appreciating all of the wonderful things I have in my own life because I'm constantly comparing it to this unreal fantasy. I, th I think my brain just doesn't do a great job of like staying present and grounded in the real world. And this is something that I've always struggled with as long as I can remember. So that's something I have very narrow parameters around. And I'm very careful with what media I expose myself to, because I know that that can create a downward spiral for me. So those are the six most important things that I stopped doing in order to minimize my own struggles with depression. Like I said before, this is a night and day difference. It has been for me, and I hope that it will be for you too. Basically, what it all comes down to is I have to accept that I am a high maintenance person. It, it takes a lot to keep me going. I'm not, as much as I'd love to be, I'm not a simple person. I'm not an easygoing person. I'm not a go with the flow kind of guy. I'm not laid back. I'm I'm complicated. I have a lot going on and I have a lot of parts inside that can break easily. If you think of me as like a, a car or something like that, I guess. 
I know that if I take very, very good care of myself, I can do some pretty spectacular things and live a great life. I also know if I don't, the downfall will be equally spectacular in a very different way. I'm high risk, high reward. And that's just how I'm built. If you're still listening by this point, I suspect that you might be built in a manner very similar to me. And if so, please consider actually trying some of these strategies and let me know in the comments how they pay off. I will see you next time. Take care.